When I was little, my father used to take me to ride ponies near Van Cortlandt Park. <laughs> it's huge. I could see. It's huge. The There's very a little first... place where you could walk around like with these ponies. It's, um, it's beautiful. It's enormous. There was a very, there's always something happening in the middle of the track. Yeah. And there was a lot of soccer activity throughout the course of the past couple yes. months. And now there was a group of, um, I don't know, 20, 30 something year old guys all together playing flag football. And it was, it was just a group of friends, but it was extremely organized and they had a whole cookout going. They had the music. I wanted to stay and hang out afterwards. I would have. <laughs> You, hey, me, you got an extra belt you got an extra belt i got good hands i know you can throw a spiral i got good hands and i can throw a spiral let me let me let me try let me try you'll get that flat i'm not <laughs> the quickness has uh has been been lost a long time ago but all right well maybe we should say that we welcome you in to the voice of the nets podcast i'm chris carino it's presented by Ticketmaster. we are in the middle of the preseason in the NBA training camp has kind of concluded and we're getting ready about a week away from the regular season. We thank you for subscribing and checking us out, giving us a five-star rating, giving us some good feedback. Always welcome. And you know who's always also welcome on the program is Sarah Kustak, of course, the longtime TV analyst for the Yes Network and the Brooklyn Nets broadcast. Capra and I sat in your seats the other night. Oh, yeah, we filled in for you. Well, we broadcast well, no, the game you just against Maccabi. Yeah, uh, Maccabi Ranana, which ended up being a, a kind of an, a, a very emotional night. Um, the atmosphere was uh, incredible, given what's going on, and uh, it was fun that me and Capra could do a little TV, which we we don't get to do very often. Normally, that is your seat. But I know, even though you were not there, you had you were in Vegas for the the first preseason game. Um, and I know you've always got your eyes glued to what's going on and your, your ear to the ground, so to speak, with the Nets. So I wanted to get your perspective as we get ready for the, the start of the season. It's, it's always a great excuse to talk to you about whatever. Uh, first thing I'm going to go on, and I don't know if you saw this clip. It kind of went viral um, with Capper when I had him on a couple weeks ago. Do you know what a shallot is? A shallot, like an onion. It's part of. Okay, you do know. Like a cook, yeah. All right, you I know I can I cook. Know if you see. saw that clip. You know I can cook. I know, I know. <laughs> Capper, Capper tried to rope me into this idea that I wouldn't know what a shallot is, because Chelsea sends him to the grocery store, and and he has no idea what a shallot is, so he thinks she does it on purpose to keep him occupied. <laughs> that, and then as that, a follow-up that could be the case wait did he know what a shallot was prior to actually going no. to the grocery store and asking something he gets on and asks me do you know what a shallot is like he's trying to like he's getting he's trying to get some like like i'm gonna agree with him yeah some I don't reinforcement know yes and i go yeah he goes a shallot really not gene shallot but a shallot you know what that is i go yeah <laughs> i don't know who gene shallot is <laughs> that doesn't shock me <laughs> He was a movie critic years ago, so it doesn't shock me uh, that you, you, I could ask you stuff about movies you would not know. But anyway, we, we digress. But I think I should let everybody know, though, that uh, Chelsea, uh, Cabra's wife, told me, though, afterwards that he, for, after all that, he forgot the shallot in the shopping cart. So he, 
<laughs> he didn't know what it was. He wandered around the grocery store. <laughs> and then when he finally did get it, he left it in the shopping cart. It's not really a shock, right? I say this. I was going to say, I say it with love. I am yes. surprised by none of this. But I uh, find great entertainment in all of it. Yes, yes. Uh, Sarah, um, let, let's talk Nets. Let's talk a little Nets basketball. We haven't, we haven't gotten a chance to do that in a while. Uh, this season kind of feels like a wild card, right? Like we, last few years, the superstar era, we went in, the, the bar was set at if the team's healthy, they, they'll contend for a championship. We ended up knowing that the health part of it and other things just, it just never worked out in the time there. Um, and I don't know if the fans had as much fun when you set the bar that high for a team that they didn't grow up with, you know, didn't grow into. This team, there's a bit of a palate cleanse. You know, it's just a bunch of hardworking guys and Jock Vaughn wants to set that kind of tone. But where do you place the expectation level here with this group? I think it's always interesting when we talk about expectations at this point of the season, really for any team, because health is always a factor. Um, the landscape of the league, and in particular now, you look at what the Eastern Conference, some of the moves that were made, especially by those top-tier teams, and there's a ton of variability. But I think the one thing you look at this group and the opportunities they have to, if you want to get in the nitty gritty of setting expectations, you look at, okay, let, let's, let's look at those top six spots in the Eastern conference, big picture, long-term. Yeah. Um, I that's think where you want to be because it's, I think you, that's, you that's where you begin, stay out of the yeah. play in game. Um, but you, it's fluid from there. And I think if you asked and I get a chance to sit down with a handful of these players for the course of the preseason, um, you said they're going to compete. I mean, there's a lot of factors heading into the last handful of preseasons that changed. Um, but one of which you look at this one, Jack Vaughn's has an opportunity to have his own training camp. Mm -hmm. I think so many things have happened throughout the course of these last few Brooklyn Nets seasons that you almost forget um, the course of all of it. And I think even in my preparation this offseason and kind of getting back acclimated, Jacques Vaughn was a part of the group and the interim head coach, the named head coach throughout so much of it um, that you forget. Steve Nash was the one running training camp at yeah. this point last season. Yeah, it feels like Jacques's been around forever. And it's like, this is the first time he's the head coach in training camp. Exactly. And, and there was even a stretch of time again where he was the interim head coach and there were still questions about what that would look like. So I think, one, you have a tremendous offseason where guys are at HSS. They're working at, you know, Mikel and Cam, of course, with Team USA. But you come into training camp with, by all accounts, a relatively healthy roster, um, a deep one, and one with a lot of guys that have a lot that they want to prove and you're able to implement the things in some capacity with the usage of knowing the personnel that you have. And so that goes back to training camp, um, you know, of last year. And then fast forward to the trade deadline, you're looking at Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, who, you know, this offseason, you re-signed Cam, which was obviously a huge thing. Mikel is going to carry a ton of the load of what this team does on both ends of the floor. Well, you get those guys for the latter half of the season. Same with Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney. You're incorporating so many new parts at the tail end of the season that I don't think it's fair to look at exactly how all of that finished with those pieces together. Uh, and then Nick Claxton with another year, Dayron Sharp had a really great summer can keep going down the list of some of these pieces of 
what Dennis Smith Jr. has has looked like throughout the course of this training camp, Lonnie Walker, all of these things, I think, should add a, a level of enthusiasm and excitement in, in the one X factor has been and will be Ben Simmons. The ceiling on how he can impact this team is something that I think it, it makes a lot within the organization, a lot of fans very hopeful and very interested to see. And, and by all accounts in this preseason, he has looked as healthy, physically explosive and, and dynamic back to the, the Ben Simmons that we had seen through the early part of his career that I think it you factor that in with, with all of these other pieces. And I, I think there's reason to, to have a hopefulness about what this can become. Yeah, that's, I mean, he's the biggest X factor guy. I mean, we could talk all we want about the position battles and, 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 you know, having sort of guys in camp that are pushing other guys because they play the same position. Um, but the ceiling goes way up if Ben Simmons is healthy and is the, the Ben Simmons we saw three years ago. I mean, all of a sudden now the expectation level takes on another gear. If he could be that guy and we're starting to see a little bit of that, I mean, I think then the, the expectation level for this team goes way up. You're looking at a guy who was a, a three-time All-Star, two-time All-Defensive Team player. Um, again, all, all of those things factor in of trying to just lessen some of the noise and all the the, the scrutiny and, and the discussion about it over the course of the last couple of seasons. And, and I think, too, though, it's a, a process that you ease into in the sense of there are levels to, we always talk about the levels to getting in runs in, in the, in the off season, preseason games, then you're getting into regular season. The ratchet up of levels of intensity is something when an individual hasn't played in a regular season game, you know, in such an extended stretch, it may take a little time, but I also think that goes back to what he can be the piece of this group, but also the versatility it adds for Jock Vaughn, for this coaching staff, a, a revamped coaching staff as well, yeah. of how you want to play and how you can potentially mix and match combinations and pieces and what that looks like. And with some of the players that have been important parts of this team, we're looking at a Royce O'Neal and, and is, you know, I came over the latter half of the season, but the the glue of Doreen Finney-Smith, um, obviously Spencer Dinwood, but then some of these newer pickups from this offseason yeah. and how, how that all fits together. How do, how do you think they want to play? I mean, we, you know, Jacques Vaughn is getting a chance now to, to have a training camp. As far as what you see, what you, you've been able to gain by talking to them, watching some of this stuff, uh, do you get a sense of, of how they want to play and what the style of play on both ends of the floor that's going to optimize, you know, this personnel? Well, I think when you look at the length and activity that you potentially could have on the defensive end, I think so much of it starts at that end of the floor in the areas you want to protect. If you want to look to pressure teams, if you want to generate offense off of your defense, I think that becomes a, a, a big part of it in your protection of being able to utilize that length and shrink the floor for teams and playing fast. And going into seasons, I think so often we hear about teams and coaches say, we're, we're going to play fast this year. We're going to be play faster this year. However, with the, with the personnel that you have, that is a, a very realistic thing for this group, how they can get up and down the floor, the amount of ball handlers they have, even, you know, the, the big in Nick Claxton and how he can rim run. 
uh, utilizing those pick and roll aspects of a Cam Johnson and a Mikel Bridges. Um, but I think so much one predicated though on how we're going to try and shrink the floor and swallow up teams on the defensive end. If you can start from there, uh, but rebounding is always going to be a factor. That was an area that the Nets struggled with mightily last year. And I feel like that's something we talk about often or have talked yeah. about with this team. And so I think that becomes a heavy emphasis as well on how you try and make sure, you know, if a lot of your focus and in, in emphasis defensively um, is about pressuring the basketball or is about how you want to play and how you want to be able to utilize that, like finishing off possessions, being able to, to, defend and, and have a one and out those type of things I think will continue to be focal points for this group and then I think offensively that starts to come because you have a balance you have a, a solid amount of three-point shooters you have players as I said that can play with the ball in their hands um, but how you use and utilize the complements of this whole roster and especially the fact that they, they're really loaded at those wing positions. Yeah, well, Ben Simmons plays into that as well because when he was at his best, I mean, he could push the pace as well as anyone yep. in the NBA. I mean, you know, Cap and I were talking about it during the broadcast the other night, it, not to make the Jason Kidd comparison, but we hadn't seen somebody that can push the pace in a net uniform like that since Jason Kidd. And that was all predicated on getting stops getting out and running, being able to rebound at the guard position, and then no yeah. outlet, right? Get it up the floor. In the, in the half court we noticed the other night, too, it, it looked like there's a real concentration to get, get in the paint and then maybe find guys in the corners. You know, you don't have Joe Harris anymore, but you've got capable three-point shooters, especially when they're in the corners. And again, it all comes back to Ben Simmons. Like that guy can get in the paint and find guys in the corners. And and he's not the only one. Again, I don't want to compare too much to two seasons prior. Um, but having players that their strengths are getting downhill and getting to the front of the rim by nature puts pressure on the defense. And so we talk about three point shooters and, and how you're sucking in the defense. But you look at a Ben Simmons, you look at a Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, yeah. You know, Cam Johnson can do things like that. Dennis Smith Jr., if he, you know, is a part of, of how he plays and just his quickness and ability yeah. to get to the front of the rim, um, you know, and, and just looking at different players. Yeah, mid-range game is there. You've got other individuals that, you know, are solid three-point shooters and, and hopefully hit those upwards of the high 30s. But I think there's more players on this team, to your point, that can actually get in the paint and get to the front of the rim. And I think all those things are, are very important for a group that you're looking at a lot of collective pieces that will hopefully help make the offense hum. Yeah. And for as much, you know, for as much emphasis as we put on Mikel Bridges, what he did coming over last season, the summer that he had, um, you're going to need more, you know, more firepower on the offensive end and the ability to be able to share the basketball, to be able to move the basketball. And I think you're, you're going to see a good amount of that with this group. Well, one of the things that Jacques Vaughn talked about, you, you brought up Mikel Bridges, and you know we've gone this long and haven't really talked about Mikel, but um, you know, so the, the, the area where he can grow is in his ability to create for others and, and pass, pass the ball. He's going to get a lot more attention than he's ever gotten in his career offensively. 
there, you know, there's that debate as to whether or not he can be, you know, you, you want him to be the focal point offensively when he means so much to you on the defensive end as well. And, you know, we can get into that. Um, you know, it, it, I just think that Mikel doesn't need to be like the focal point. Like he doesn't need to have the ball in his hands and he's going to figure out a way to get his 20 to 25 points. And that's kind of the guy I saw in the, at the end of last season. And I think the thing with Mikel too, he is so, it's not even all of us have, have said it. You, you could say to your blue in the face, um, what a excellent individual he is in character guy. Yeah. Um, leader, which is one part of a leader, the yeah. ability to be vocal, the ability to be coachable. Um, but, but he's also what killer himself. Like he, he is not added to his game each and every season without being driven to, to add these components to his game and how he understands, uh, how to continue to improve in terms of the usage he may have. And, and we said this a lot last season. Yeah. He came over and, and the usage went up, um, for him with the Nets, but that was also a lot of what he was already doing in Phoenix when Devin Booker was injured. And when he was, he had the ball in his hands a lot. Um, I think there's two, twofold with that one. Um, you watch him and, and see, I'm sure you notice this. He's got such a high release point on his shot. So not only does he have long arms, long arms and yeah. a huge wingspan, but where he's releasing it so far above his forehead is something that you don't see often. Like, for Nets fans who I know dig into all the things, like uh, if you're watching individuals jump shots, that's one thing to me that it's also a major factor why he can get off a shot. It it feels like against any anyone at any point he wants and, and when he's drawing to, um, but he will command that attention. I think that was something we saw in different sparks or spurts throughout the course of the end of last season, how he was reading that. And I think by he's got such a, a high basketball IQ and understanding of the game, his film study, how he's going to see how defenses are playing him. I, I do think that will continue to grow. And I think that's going to be the biggest factor for, for him and for this team of if he's able to do that and command those double teams and find his open teammates and they're still able to get the offense humming with, with it not sticking in one place or not having anyone be too much of a dominant ball handler handler despite the fact they can i think that's um bodes really well for the trajectory of the group and also just the upside and the potential of what they all could become collectively well you know in his his durability has been outstanding in his career we know that he hasn't missed a game and um but pr primarily you know in years past he's been able to kind of rest offensively and conserve i shouldn't say rest conserve energy a little bit on the offensive end. He's asked to do a little more with this team offensively. They need him to be the man defensively, though. You know, you just saw in USA, he was out guarding at the point. He, you know, he can take the other team's best defender. Do you think that um, that's going to require a change in him? You know, because the Nets are going to rely on him defensively. So, you know, how do you see Mikel adjusting and, and finding his role that way. That's where I think though, when we're talking about identity of the group or, or how they play, that's, that's where the, the question marks that hopefully will eventually be answered come in about what does Ben Simmons looks like, look like and who he's guarding Nick Claxton, you know, a, a individual who, um, he's come in motivated having not been voted, uh, 
for the the old defensive team, but yeah. the defensive presence and switchability we saw out of him. Um, you got a long guard and Spencer Dinwiddie say the same thing about Cam Johnson. So two, I think one, yeah, yes, you are 100% right. The balance of how, you know, he takes on those loads on both ends of the floor. But I also think that gives you options defensively. You know, if, if whoever you're looking at in, you know, in the, in the Eastern conference who we may be guarding, you know, maybe Mikel's getting run on someone for, you know, the first couple of minutes or start on the game. Then you're going to switch, give a different look and have been on someone. Yeah. Um, you do d some size with cam, you can toss Spencer, whoever's coming off the bench and you got a Royce. So you got a Dorian Finney Smith. Uh, th those to me are, a lot of the aspects when you look at, okay, you've got a handful of guys on the roster who could be the guy to defend one of the better guys on the team. That's where I think you can balance what it looks like, depending on how much you're asking out of him on the offensive end of the floor. Now, you know, Sarah, we, we talked about it. We touched, just touched about it defensively. Um, a, a lot of fans will look at it and they, they know kind of two things like, switching or drop that has become like the two buzzwords when it came to the nets defensively uh when you look at it we know that switching can hurt you on a from a rebounding perspective um drop maybe you're susceptible to the the you know shooting leaving guys open whatever it may be um you talk about giving different looks i i I would imagine that's going to be a thing. Having a training camp, working together, Jacques Vaughn's going to have the ability to just play some more sophisticated defense. More sophisticated. That was, I mean, that was almost impossible when you think about it last year. Because yeah. as we said, you got two players coming over from from Phoenix. You got two players coming over from Dallas all four of these players are starting. It's not just, I mean, these are integral parts of your team and then figuring out how that changes the complexion of how you even wanted to play in the first place. So yes, I, I think just the sophistication of that and then figuring out where, do, where do we want teams, you know, to, to get their shots from. It's always been a part of, you know, whether it's forcing mid range shots, whether it's making sure you're taking away corner threes, uh, can you, can you implement um, switching is one thing that, takes a, a heavy amount of understanding and communication and the smallest slip-ups uh, can leave you vulnerable. And what does zone look? I mean, throughout the course of the last couple of seasons, we've seen teams play zone, incorporate zone. Is that something that you could start to put in now? Yeah. Um, so that could be a show. And, and I think we saw a little bit of that in the Lakers preseason game. So I think, yes, like that, I, I don't know if you could properly put into context uh, how much that changes uh, what a team can do throughout the course of the entirety of the season. This time now, these type of, you know, couple hour practices, because we know with with the schedule and with the travel and so many things, you you don't get the same amount of concentrated practice time like you do right now. So it, at least if you're laying the foundation then it's about making tweaks. It's about getting some adjustments. It's about sharpening up as opposed to reteaching and then trying to have players figuring out on the fly, learning on the fly, communicating on the fly when it's already in game action. Yeah. And then you end up, what happens is you just get, you kind of, you, you kind of fall back to the default, you know, last year was just, all right, well, let's just switch everything and defend. Cause that's just the easiest thing to figure out right now. Um, and a lot of that stuff you're talking about, I mean, you could change that that could change you know the way you want to guard teams it can change from game to game it can change within the games 
you know, giving different looks at teams is a huge part of not being predictable. You know, when you were last year and you had all these new people coming together and you had to kind of go basic, um, you became very predictable, you know? So I think that just that will, should make the Nets. Yeah. And, and see, and not to get into the weeds, but even things like that is for is simply, oh, we're, we're switching. We're, we're, well, okay. What if t- teams are smart? The teams figure teams things out. Too. Teams have key. Yeah. No, oh, oh, we're not, we're going to slip the screen. We're not going to do this. So all of a sudden you're, you're looking at your, t- like, wait, we're, oh, I was going to, st- well, they didn't screen. So, and those are the small details of especially teams that, okay, f- you stop their option one, option two, this action, and they're going to keep going in inevitably you know that's why so many teams that find a great amount of success it's about continuity and you look at some of the the teams that have had the same core guys or core group around for so that's that's where it builds from you look at a milwaukee and in kind of who they've had i know making some changes and get into that but whether it's them whether it's boston whether what denver was able to do it's Season after season, a lot of these players understanding how they're communicating with one another. It's not just about the system. It's it's getting to know your teammates and in those type of, of details. And I think that hopefully should help here with this group. Yeah, sir. Uh, Greg Popovich used to refer to it as corporate knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, corporate knowledge, knowing how as a team we like to play. Guys know how to communicate with one another and play. And that's it's huge. It, it's huge for a team. And you want, you know, everybody wants that. It's just a matter of how can we, how can we get the right guys and and keep them together for a long period of time. I mean that's how that's how great teams are made. Um, you know, chemistry is another part of that. I let's talk about that for a second with this team because that's a big part also of when you had new players coming together late last year. Hard to build chemistry, and chemistry may be a uh, a buzzword, but it's probably an underrated thing when it comes in the NBA going back again to talk about being together. Um, what I've liked about this team is everybody has sort of looks like they've rallied around each other. And I think Ben Simmons, again, a big part of that, how they've, how his teammates have talked about him, how his teammates have given sort of reports, because it's a question they get all the time. You know, we're talking about it all the time. They're getting it all the time, too. How does Ben look? How did Ben look in the offseason? How did he look in the summer? And I feel like they have had his back this offseason. And I, I think that's a huge part of this team. And you could see that whoever the leaders are emerging on this team, I think it's a big part of it. That, to me, is a tremendous part. And you could point to to Ben being, you know, a factor in that, obviously. Um all of that is has been the questions and the things that linger with a team uh, over the course of, of months and weeks when you're trying to do everything you can to become the best group possible. But I also think even like the lack of ego. We had in the season and, and who knows what what the lineups are going to look like, what the rotations are going to look like. As we said, a lot of players that may be pushing one another to compete for spots, but there also is a sense of camaraderie. So, for example, you, you even look last year at a, at a guy like Royce O'Neal, who had started every game and, and was playing a ton of minutes for the Nets and make a trade. Now he's coming off the bench in the way in which he accepted that role and he embraced it. And even now you translate to where we are at this point of training camp and in the NBA season, uh, there may be players that had started last year that their minutes may change, their role may change. There may be fluidity as you always see throughout the course 
of a season. So the willingness for everyone to remain bought in, the willingness for everyone to support their teammates, no matter if it they're starting, they're coming off the bench, they're in the rotation, they're out of the rotation, you're playing 30 minutes, you're playing 15 minutes. From just the perspective of watching this group, I, I think you have that. And I think that can't be overlooked uh, for teams in a, in a season of you still have the same amount of competitiveness, yet support from teammate to teammate. And that's where I think, too, it, it can take a team that where their level of talent is to another level, because it's not just about the talent. It's about how you're able to continue to complement one another, both on the floor, but also just in the locker room and around as humans and as people. And you, you do need a healthy sense of ego sometimes. You need guys that want to be great. Like you talked about Mikel Bridges being the, the nicest guy in the world, but he's got a killer in him. You know that just by the fact that he gets better every year and he's going to work on stuff and he plays through injuries and things like that. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's always that balance. You can't have too many milk and cookie guys, right? They talk about like we got to have some, some dogs, some killers out there who want to do that. But I do think this team is kind of in that position where – they can they can go one way or the other and they can they're trying to figure out now all right who are our who are our dogs who are our good young players with some upside and now if this team shows promise well maybe it only needs a little tweak here and there going forward as opposed to a major overhaul i do think not to say that we're, that the nets are at a crossroads right now but i think they've set themselves up with a firm base and now could figure out which way to to go off that. We haven't even brought up Cam Thomas. Also, I was gonna I was gonna get into that. Yeah, I mean he he's someone who has come in and has had a really nice training camp. We saw again his preseason games, but how he looked against the Lakers, him continuing to work on whether it's being more vocal, whether it's of course the buy-in on the defensive end, uh, how he can complement his offensive game in not just being that score, but one, adding the three-point shot, two, adding, creating for his teammates. Because he, he's he's got a skill set and he's got a, a knack to score that is, you know, one of the most unique things you see. And so how could he potentially fit in? And um, I think you have a lot of players like that. What does it look like for Trendon Watford? Um, all of these different names, I think, are are intriguing pieces to your point of, getting a feel for how that looks because currently like the nets don't aren't don't have their picks you know so for what it is that they're playing for and what it is that you want to look at is is the path and in the lane of this team um you're right like i, th I think there's going to be a lot of questions that may be answered here in the early part of the season there's a lot i want to as they as they say in the corporate world double click on or or, or zoom in on unpack unpack oh. yeah what are some marketing buzzwords we could use um we brought up cam thomas let's continue with that right now i think he's been the first few years i think the, the one thing that's i think would be shocking for people is to realize that he just turned 22 years old man. i don't know about you that that's like a it's still a college kid almost and uh so there's still a lot of you know he's a young man very young man um i think sometimes he gets misunderstood because of his low-key demeanor uh it's sometimes often misunderstood as he doesn't care or you know that he low energy kind of guy but i just think that's his sort of his personality i mean you'd love to have a guy that's animated and and 
excited, but he's kind of, he's, his personality doesn't, sometimes it's good too, because it doesn't go too high, it doesn't go too low. He's got tremendous confidence. But in the last couple of years, he's kind of been like a, uh, it's like a magic trick. It's like, let's come in and let's see what, what, what Cam Thomas can do. I think now, and I think this is going quicker than we thought when Jacques Vaughn had him in the starting lineup in the first preseason game. Like, I don't think that was a, uh, a tryout or an experiment. Like, I think they view Cam Thomas right now coming in here as, all right, the, the experiments are over. Like, we want you to grab a role on this team, whether that be as a starter, two guard next to Ben Simmons, who's at the point, or it's a, it's a sixth man who's going to come in. But we want to be able to rely on you with an actual role as opposed to rolling the dice when we bring in Cam Thomas. And talk about being a wild card. We've seen these glimpses. It's like Ben Simmons stuff, right? We, we're hopeful because we've seen it. Like, we know what he can do. We know what his strengths are. We know if he can regain that, what he can give to this team. Cam Thomas is very similar as well. The coaches may see certain things that the fans don't see, and that has limited his ability to grab a role in the past. But as far as what his skill set is and what he could be, we've seen it. You know, we've seen it. So I thought it was a big statement that he was in the starting lineup right away. And I know Cam Johnson was out of the lineup with an injury, and maybe that has something to do with it. But I think the coaching staff is giving Cam Thomas every opportunity right now to say, hey, grab your – we want you to play a role on this team next year, an actual thing, a role that we rely on each and every game. And I think he can do that. I think he's still a young guy. Yes, he's got ways to improve, but he does. You mentioned, Sarah, he does stuff that is hard to do, right? That, that you don't – nobody just can walk in and do. And that's where – Yes, I do, I do think that being in the starting lineup was a product of, of Cam Johnson being out, but that's that's where I think with his understanding of that opportunity, and not to say that he hasn't in the past, but a growth of fitting in the context of just, we're not just putting you on the floor right now in this game because we, we expect you to get a quick 20 or a quick 10 or play for a couple minutes and, and get a shot up every single time you're up and down the court. And that's where I think the balance, I think there's always been the continued push and emphasis of needing to defend as well, no matter how yeah. many you're putting in, how many are you giving up and where, where's the balance of that. Uh, however, I do think similar to what we were talking in the beginning or early in the podcast about Mikel Bridges and commanding attention and how you're able to continue to decipher when you can get a shot off, essentially, almost against anyone. And against any defense and against any look, which I would put Cam in, in that same bucket. Um, when is it best to continue to get mine? Because you know how we can shoot, you know how we can score, but also pull in a second and then find my teammate and have the, the flow of the offense and the big picture complexion of it operate and function in a way that best serves continued success and continued winning and what that looks like day in, day out, game after game. And also the three-point shot, which I thought was impressive. I've probably said this a million times. I'm sure you and Capper did too last season. The way in which, one, not only he added to the the quantity of three-point shots he was taking, but also the the percentage and the accuracy of it. And I think that will continue to be a factor as well because 
he's able to continue to space the floor if needed to go along with working his mid range and, and get into the front of the cup, but how the nets want to play offensively and putting up three point shots. I, I think that factors in, but yeah. that's where it's interesting, whether, you know, he's a part of that, but Lonnie Walker is, is a part of those spots. There's a, they've got players where it's going to be interesting to see how that competition continues to shake out. Yeah, and and the three point Cam and Mikel too. Uh, he's he's really good at that corner three, but they're also very good in the mid range. So uh, that will open up the floor if they can. Especially when you got guys like when you have like Ben Simmons, Nick Claxton on the floor at the same time. You know, you need some spacing. You need some guys to be able to open up the floor. Um, a guy that that we we just briefly touched on it because of the injury situation, but you know, Cam Johnson uh, is a player that I think can do a lot of that. You know, we know he can be a great three-point shooter. Um, I thought in the playoffs last year, though, he showed an ability to attack and be a, a playmaker that I think opened up at least my eyes a little bit, you know, when he, what he did against the Sixers last year. Yeah, I, I am so excited about, one, the player Cam Johnson already is, but what we saw him continue to become last season with the Nets and in an increased role. And don't forget the fact that he was coming off. He didn't play the early part of the season with Phoenix because he was coming back from surgery. So still yeah. even coming over with the Nets, he had just played, I think, 17 games with the Suns or something around that. Um, I, I, I was at training camp and, and, and doing some some work for Sirius XM NBA radio and, and you know, with the part jobs. of the sit downs and the, the yeah. and I'm not going to pop all, all, all the things, um, but Asked everyone, I was asking players, who's the best shooter on the team? Who's the best shooter on the team? Um, and it was no, everyone said Cam. Like it was, it was not even, it was not even a second thought. Um, and to your point, six eight, the frame he has, his continued, you know, he was he was playing the role in in doing the things asked of him with Phoenix, with the Suns, with that team. And so I think now when you put him in a position that you need a, a greater responsibility. Uh, I think he is ready for that. I think he's ready to embrace it. I think he's got the skill set for that. And so you got a guy that that can put it on the floor, that can attack, that can shoot the three the way he can, um, and, and give you that type of versatility. I think you know. I, I think he's one of the players that I am most excited about for this season and for the player. I think we're going to continue to see him flourish into. We're, we're seeing this group. We kind of know the group right now, right? Like we know who the guys are. You mentioned Darius Baisley. You've got guys like Trenton Watford. Uh, watching the first couple of preseason games, there's a guy that kind of intrigues me a little bit. Harry Giles is an interesting player to me. You know, he, he's, he's 6'11". Uh, he's really bouncy. I don't know. I just think he, he gets up quick. Uh, he looks like he's a good rebounder. Um, can protect the rim a little bit. Like I, he does things that the Nets don't necessarily have guys that do. The size and the rebounding ability. I don't know if you have any thoughts on a guy like Harry Giles. I mean, I think you look at him and, and the expectation or hope for him when he was first drafted in the yeah. early part of his career, but it's always come down to health. And like, yeah. I still think that's, you know, it's, there's a lot of question marks um, with players when that becomes a factor of, the longevity of, of how you will have them, how they'll be able to to play and, and use them. Uh, but I, I, I think all the things you think, you see that, and it it is interesting. And it is, you look at Nick Claxton, obviously, the impact he brings 
Dayron Sharp, um, by all accounts, had a really great summer, and there's a lot of a lot of excitement for where he's at. We mentioned Cam being young, put Dayron in that same boat of continuing to grow. Um, is Ben gonna? You know, is there gonna be times that you do put him at the five, and and that's where you're playing? Uh, with a different look. So I, I do think that, but I think that's the fun part of training camp or the fun part of this, this preseason stuff. And the fun part, you know, I know we get little tastes of seeing players or seeing some of that potential, but I think the, the coaching staff and the organizations gets to see it in a much more extended time at practices day in, day out. And so we, it will be some interesting decisions on what this roster ends up looking like, you know, on opening night yeah. and as they head into the season. Yeah, Noah Clowney's another young player to throw in there that plays mm-hmm. that position. And, and we know this, this Nets organization has always really been dedicated to player development. Uh, you see that in the coaching staff right now. Um, it's exciting to see. And they, from where they've been coming from with not having you know, lottery picks, uh, that's the way you have to go. You have to find guys in mid to late first round that you can develop integrate players you know with that being said and sorry to cut you out Jalen Wilson has looked very good in training camp and he was what the 51st overall pick um yeah and and we'll see kind of where how you know much time he he ends up spending with Long Island or or with the Brooklyn Nets and in um a 22 year old that played four years there yeah. and, and so um got good size yeah, uh, and just really a, a good feel, guy. a good understanding of the game. He can shoot, yeah. and and it may take time. You don't know, but there there are there are individuals that it will be interesting to see as the as the season plays out and the year plays out, if they do get some opportunity, if they do get some time, what that looks like, and and not what it looks like just in the immediate, you know, uh, immediate season, um, but maybe long term for the course of how they may impact this group, this organization, or just how their games may expand as time goes on. Yeah, because sometimes you, you, could, you could talk about it, and hopes are always high, right, in, in training camp, and you have all these grandiose plans, and then you know what happens. Somebody either goes down, and, and maybe then somebody steps up that you didn't expect, or, or maybe somebody just steps up, and they get an opportunity and, and, and end up being a key player that we're not even talking about right now. But it seems like the Nets have a lot of people that will push other guys for playing time. You know, Capra always talked about it being, you know, he was a coach. The, the, the most important thing you have as a coach is playing time. You know, you, you dole it out. And it seems like this team, you know, Jock Bowen wants to create a competitive environment with this group. Well, you know, think you've got guys that do a lot of the same thing. Finney Smith and Royce O'Neal will push each other. Dennis Smith and Lonnie Walker will push each other. Um, the, all these centers that we talked about will push each other. I mean, that's part of just kind of creating a competitive environment, which, you know, let's face it, when you don't have the superstar players that you could fall back on, um, you need guys who just go out and compete. You know, be relentless and compete. You know, Todd Jogbon talked about the details matter. Yeah, well, because if we got to put in a game plan and win some games because of system, you got to be able to, run that and pay attention to the details. So that's, that's where I'm fascinated because I think net fans should be excited. Of the fact that it does not behoove this team to lose. Yeah. Even if all of a sudden it looks like, well, we're not going to be a playoff team or we're going to be, you know, we're not going to get that six spot or we're not going to contend in the East. No, it, it, it doesn't help them to lose games. They don't have their own picks. They've got a lot of picks and assets, but they belong to Phoenix. So they belong to Dallas. 
you know, they don't have their own. So this team's not tanking. Right. So they want to create a competitive environment. And I think that's the one thing that everyone in this group is going to the season, knowing that's, that's what they want to be a part of their identity. However, it shakes out, whatever it looks like. Um, I think you have individuals that that's a part of their makeup and the cloth they're cut from and how they know that they will find ways to success. And so I think if you start at that base and you start at that baseline, and that does, that begins with Jock Vaughn, that begins with the coaching staff. Um, I think there is, there's reason for optimism with how that all could start to come together, especially when you match it with players that are, are willing to be adaptable to how they want to play and what they want things to look like. Well, you and I are always optimistic people in general. I know you are. Um, and uh, is optimi- if, if, you, if you're not optimistic at the start of a season, then, I mean, you might as well go read a book. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> I'm optimistic about getting back on the road with you because we haven't gotten a chance to spend a lot of quality time together uh, in the off season. I don't see you. You're, you're, you're bouncing around the country or the world. You were, you were in, where were you this year? You were doing this clinics. This was a busy in, off season. In Europe. Where, where were you? I spent a lot of time in Europe. I was in, um, I was, I, I did a basketball, a kid's basketball camp in Kosovo. Um, for the first time I was in, spent some time in, in, in France, I was in London a little, um, I think I bounced around to Spain. Yeah, I was, I was a handful of, I was in, you know, back home in Chicago, uh, see the, see the fam, see my nieces and nephews a bit. Uh, but it was, it was a tremendous summer. It was a productive summer. Um, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go with this NBA season. Where, if Sarah, people don't know, Sarah is a runner. And I know a lot of times you land in a city, you're just, everybody can be tired, looking forward to go getting a beer or having a meal. Sarah's jumping in her running clothes as quick as she can and going out and running somewhere. So take Chicago out of the picture because it's a bias. You're, you're from Chicago. You love Chicago. But where, what place are you looking forward to the most Ooh, to touch down, throw question. on your, your running stuff and go running. I love them all. These are the reasons I have my run route in every city. So it's very, it's, it's like a moment of, I don't know if nostalgia is the right word, but it's, it, it brings me back year after when you're in those same places and, and just yeah. where things are going through the course of a season or the year. I, I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm always partial to Miami. Like you want me to, and, and I got, I got my, uh, finish the run in the ocean, right? Yeah. And just jump in the water. And then I just, yeah. you know, float with the fish. I, I did the summer though, get stung by a, they call it a blossom, uh, but a whole group of jellyfish. Oh, wow. And so it's, it's tweaked my, I need to jump back on the saddle of, of my feel for the ocean. Um, oh, so it's in your head. It's a little no, bit like, I mean, you're... I don't think there's that many jellyfish and I, I was, I was in a different sea. Uh, but yes, but I, I, Miami, I'm always a, a little bit partial to San Antonio is a great run Portland. All right. The Bay. So wait, so a, LA, a... <laughs> you want me to go to Dallas is Dallas is a good one. I actually, Oklahoma That's the first city, one this year. Oklahoma city has a low key, excellent. You can run all along the river. There's like a, a path through the river walk and then you are you can go for miles and miles and miles well the okc river walk is like it, it's like really small 
it's like yeah so you got to get out of it a couple of you blocks gotta, but yeah, the, you the gotta, thing about okc is there's no hills yeah it's just it's, flat. it's just it's flat yeah, and, so and you're running. gone minnesota there's you could run from where we stay over the like over a bridge it's normally snowy or rainy and yeah. then down some train tracks and you Minus can run two. your way to the university of minnesota yeah. uh, but it's like a back route run yeah it's yeah, it's always cold when we're there at least but i'll take that it's good it gets your blood flowing it's like nature's cryo chamber have you ever run through like i call it the habit trail in minnesota so all the buildings because it's so cold all the buildings in downtown are kind of connected so you can walk from one building to another without having ever going outside. Have you ever tried to do that? I run no. indoors. No. Oh no, no. So wait, I so I gather now. I, I need learned fresh air. I I've learned something new today. So a a group of jellyfish is called a blossom. A blossom. Like I know there's, there's three like different a, types of jellyfish. This is probably too much for the but it was I felt like I got electrocuted. Wow. No joke. In the, the, it lasted, I had track marks on me. I mean, again, this is my, my girl. I was, I was on a trip with my, my besties. Um, and they spotted it before. Cause I like to just lay and float. Oh, they the saw it coming. Not well. They couldn't warn you though in time. I, I'm always quick to jump in the water. I want to swim everywhere. I think if things happen, it's, it's been a great life, but I was laying floating and I was about, I would say 150 yards from where the boat was at that they were on and they yelled be careful yeah. we see some jellyfish and i looked up and yeah I, I thought that was the end i thought i thought you were never gonna see me again i thought <laughs> really? capper was gonna permanently take my seat <laughs> <laughs> you found yourself floating into a blossom of jellyfish what a pretty word for such a scary thing yeah right well they attacked <laughs> We'll, we'll leave it it's at like, that. What do they call it a, a, when the dolphins, there's like a, it's a pride of dolphins. Oh, it's, is that what they're? Yeah. It's like it, crows, like a murder of crows. Like yeah. there's always weird names for these things. So we learned something today. Um, let me ask you this. So when you're out running, because I always leave people with like things to watch and listen to. And I know you don't watch anything besides game film. So. Um... No, what I watched was Hijack. Oh, so you did? You like like ventured out into watching? I watched, the, I watched watching... the Hijack. I I actually just finished Hijack. It was ex excellent. That's excellent. the uh, Idris Alba, yeah. right? On I'm a uh, huge. I... Yes. <laughs> Anything uh, yes. he's in, on I will Apple. watch. Um, but that was yeah. I like those are my type of um, those are my type of shows. Suspense kind of thing. Suspense action. action. Thriller. Beat people up. You like to see people get. Beat I did. Up. I also uh, I finally watched Ted Lasso. Did you? I didn't finish it, but I've I watched the first two seasons. Wow, oh, you're venturing out, Sarah. You're growing. What else we got? We never used to be able to talk about these things. Now we can. How exciting! <laughs> um, when you're out running, though, what's the music of choice Ooh. for you? What's the thing that gets your blood it, it, pumping? It depends. Um, it depends on. I have different playlists. My phone, you know, your phones know you, so they create yeah. different playlists. Even, I mean, I'm much. If I'm running, it's it's more hip hop, rap, R and B. Um, it varies in that mode. I'm also a big podcast listener while I'm running. Really? Yeah. The low post. Mm -hmm. I always, I always tell Zach Lowe, um, that I laugh a couple times. He, he makes me laugh. And so I'll be running and, and start to gut laughing. It messes up my, messes up my gate. Uh, but no, but I, I'm big into running and podcasts. So it, it just depends if I'm, trying to have like a, a real, real it's run productive. or a You're productive. You're trying to be productive. 
I listen to the voice of the Nets while I'm running. Oh, I don't, I don't believe that, but I, no, you did. You've had some great Kevin Ollie, the new Long Island head coach. Mufan Yadofia. Yeah. And, uh, I'll tell you what though, if you want to get pumped up, let's go listen to that Kevin Ollie episode. Mm -hmm. If you haven't, Kevin will pump you up. No, for sure. I also love, you know, just talking about some of the guys that I've had on this year, um, young players. Like I really enjoyed talking to Derek Whitehead, Noah Clowney. You mentioned Jalen Wilson before. They were really fun uh, guys to talk to. Hopefully we're going to talk to some more of these guys as we go along. Uh, we've kept you long enough. We appreciate you coming on. I appreciate sure anyone who's who's still often. been listening to to my stories of my running in, in uh Yeah, Jellyfish. I mean, Chelsea Jenkins probably stopped recording a while ago, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I always think when I when I spend time with you that, that I have a song that gets in my head that I can't get out now is is the Hall and Oates Sarah Smile that Sarah always comes into my smile. smile yeah that always comes to my head so that'll be in my head the rest of the Won't day you smile well for me to. that's one of my yeah I don't know if it's one of my favorites but people used to sing it to me as a kid speaking of people who are just like sunshine as a person like you are. Did you notice that we, as we taped this yesterday, Suzanne Summers passed away? Do you remember, you know, Suzanne Summers? I do, Summers? and I somehow missed that that happened yesterday. Yes, Three's yeah, Company. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you were ever a fan of that. No, but I, I mean, I was familiar. Before your time. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, talk about just a, a wonderful ray of sunshine person who was really had levels to her. Like she was a brilliant business person. Like she played that kind of ditzy person on TV, but then that was she, not her. she had the yeah she had like the exercise equipment thing and she like made billions like she was she was sharp but yeah so shout out to suzanne r.i.p yeah i didn't even realize that yeah all right well we've covered a lot anything else is there any (laughs) everyone's doing well cc3 is good laura's doing doing good the the fam is great you had a good summer you're hitting the ground running you're great we'll catch up you're a different nfl city every every weekend so you're We'll catch up soon. I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you very much. That is the great Sarah Kustak here on The Voice of the Nets. My thanks to Chelsea Jenkins, our engineer. Thanks to Steve Goldberg, our producer. It's coming. The season's coming. Sarah's going to be running, and we'll keep you through. We'll have her on again uh, throughout the course of the season. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing. I'm Chris Carino. This has been The Voice of the Nets. <laughs>